Welcome to our ECP podcast series where we talk about exciting activities and developments within our department. I'm your host Santosh Pandey. Our guest today is Professor Ashfa Koker, who is the Palmer Department Chair of Electrical and Computer Engineering at Iowa State University. Dr. Koker, it's a real pleasure to have you with us today. Today we want to talk about our ECPE students, your motivation, your thoughts and vision to enhance student experiences within the department. To start with, could you tell us about the size of the department in terms of the number of faculty, staff, undergraduate and graduate students? Thank you, Dr. Pandey, first of all, for this opportunity. It's a pleasure to be uh, joining you on this podcast. As for your question, our department uh, is currently have uh, about 67 faculty members and uh, about 27 staff members. We have uh, close to about uh, 1,850 undergrad students and about 350 to 370 grad students. Out of these grad students, there are about 176 PhD students and remaining are masters of science and masters of engineering students. So how does the size of the department compare with those of peer institutions? So in terms of student body, we may be among the largest in the nation. But in terms of faculty size and uh, uh, staff, I think uh, we are at least uh, 20 to 30 faculty members uh, uh, smaller than other departments uh, of, the, of the same student body size. So that basically gives us uh, a faculty to student ratio a little bit on the higher side. Moving on to the next question, I assume the recent pandemic has affected student education in the department. What impact did you see on student education and how did you address the challenges that came forth? Yeah, I think a uh, pandemic has been a very difficult uh, time for everybody and particularly for students. It has been um, quite challenging to have a completely new way of learning, uh, learning from the dorm rooms, learning from your parents' uh, living rooms and uh, all sorts of uh, different challenges in uh, that impacted students in, in major ways. And what we saw over the months when the pandemic started, we saw involvement of students, enthusiasm of the students, and their motivation to move on diminishing. And uh, that was a major challenge for the department. And uh, particularly when we were not with them, they were, they were joining us remotely. So I think what we did was we started uh, having more and more interactive sessions. Our advisors started reaching out to those students who we felt that they needed help. So we increased the number of uh, activities where we had uh, different touch points with the students to just to make sure that uh, we are connected and we know what's going on with these students. I'm glad that we are back uh, in, in person and uh, the things are slowly uh, started improving. But still, I think it's a major challenge uh, moving forward. And it's it's all across the nation and all across the world, we have the same problem. Right. Because uh, if you really look at it this way, that uh, less motivation in the student, meaning uh, learning challenges, and whatever you have learned or whatever you have undertaken in these pandemic-related uh, semesters, the impact of those uh, learning is going to also show up in the later later years, and it is uh, also going to show up then in the in the workplace. So I think uh, all of us uh, as a society have to understand that, and have to rise up to the challenge to make sure that these students are uh, not uh, in in their workplace in their professions, 
they get the assistance that they need because of the challenges that they have gone through during their studies. So could you talk about the different programs offered within the department and how can the incoming students benefit from these programs? We have four uh, undergraduate degree programs in the department. Our typical electrical engineering, bachelor's in electrical engineering, then bachelor's in computer engineering. Then we also jointly run a program with the computer science, so that's bachelor's of software engineering. And then recently, we have added a new program. Uh, it is uh, bachelor's uh, in uh, cybersecurity engineering. And this is one of the latest uh, additions in our department. And I would say that uh, across the U.S. and across the world, we are among the very first few departments who have engineering degree in cybersecurity. And that basically puts us in a very unique footing to prepare students in this particular profession. In addition to that, I think I, I just must add that we have also started a minor in cyber physical systems. And uh, that's another addition in the department in terms of undergraduate programs. Okay. So we do have a significant student population from different countries around the world. How do you see our EC programs appealing to international students? I think that basically brings back to your previous question that we, uh, one thing that I would like to add is the graduate programs. Uh, the graduate programs we have are Masters of Science and Masters of Engineering and then PhD. Okay. And uh, the specialties within the Masters and PhD programs are, are dependent on how students uh, choose what kind of coursework they do. So we have quite a bit of variations. And those variations is what basically addresses your question regarding population, student population, because majority of our overseas student population is in our graduate programs. So our ability to offer graduate programs are that are flexible. We have a lot of online components also in the number of uh, different courses that we offer. That is very attractive to international students. And therefore, we have uh, enjoyed uh, students uh, in all of uh, our undergraduate programs, whether it's an online degree in cybersecurity or whether it's uh, uh, in-person um, uh, degree programs, uh, Masters of Engineering, Masters of uh, Science. And since we have this flexibility that these master's programs can be done with only coursework only, with uh, the, the creative component, and also uh, master's with thesis. So these three different options, when you offer to the students, we all of a sudden becomes very attractive to different types of students who wants to either just take the courses and get into the workforce, or they want to take the courses and do some research to see whether they want to further pursue PhD. So a lot of these different options are, are becoming very attractive to our students. And I think that's what uh, is very uh, unique to the kind of degrees we offer. And the other thing is we have a lot of hands-on components. A lot of our courses are full with lab experiments, full with actually building things. So that's also very attractive to our students. So within those degree programs, can the students also work with faculty on their research? And are the research labs open to students? Yes. Starting from undergraduate, uh, we do have a regular uh, stream of students from the undergraduate programs who come and do research with faculty. And uh, most recently, we also started a scholarship program, thanks to our uh, donors and our you know, stakeholders and alumni who has funded this program that allows us to offer 
scholarship to students who wants to do research during, for example, their summertime or during their regular semester. And uh, while doing research, they earn a little bit of money, but also they get a good research experience. And then uh, at the master's level, as I said, we have course-only option, but also we have master's with thesis, master's with creative component. And those two options put the students right in front of uh, the faculty in their labs, hand-to-hand, working with the faculty, working with the senior PhD students, and uh, creating those collaborations that are going to be a a great experience for them when they go out in the workforce. So a follow-up question on that. After the students graduate, what kind of career opportunities are available to our students? And what are some of the companies or industries that recruit our graduating students? I think it's a great question. I think electrical and computer engineering as a broader field is going through one of the most exciting times in the history of our profession because the way society is evolving, the way we are going toward digitization, the role of electrical and computer engineering become even greater. Almost every aspect of our society is being impacted by uh, electrical and computer engineering. And at example is just a very simple thing. Just look at you in your hands, the, the cell phone that you have. It is, it is an embodiment of our profession. Everything in that cell phone, from its wireless uh, communication to its ability to have you run so many different applications simultaneously, its ability to have you capture very high quality videos and store them in a very compressed manner to security to long battery life and all sorts of these, everything that you talk about is it's basically something has to do with electrical and computer engineering and how it is impacting rest of our society, rest of our you know aspects of our life. It can communicate with our garage doors. It can communicate with our you know microwaves and with our light system in the house, with our utility meters and all sorts of things that are happening. I think. Uh, you will see that uh, the impact that this profession, electrical and computer engineers are going to have is going to be tremendous in the coming decades. So the opportunities for jobs are available in almost all aspects of our lives. So for example, from a traditional companies who generate electricity, who distribute electricity, who make computers, who make cell phones, who do the programming of these cell phones, who make these all these other devices that talk about. And uh, then improving the quality of, uh, for example, agriculture, quality of animal farming, quality of healthcare in our uh, hospitals, uh, because our ability to capture images of a human body and uh, process them and understand them our ability to listen to our heart, listen to our lungs and the ultrasound, you name it, every aspect of our living is uh, being impacted. So therefore, opportunities for our graduates are in all these disciplines. So do you think compared to previous decades, today, the value of electrical and computer engineering doesn't have to be broadcast? I feel the students are already prepared when they come. I completely agree with that. You know, uh, it is so ubiquitous i would say right that uh, you even don't know that what you are experiencing in your in your daily life how much impact it has from this particular discipline and uh, i just generally give an example sometime that you know 
human beings are good because we have three things we can sense and we can process and then we can act on it. If you right. just take these three things, sense, process and act, this clearly defines electrical and computer engineering. Our sensing abilities are maybe our ability to see, our ability to hear, our ability to smell, our ability to touch. Each one of these sensors designs these days are being done by electrical engineers in, in a ways that has never been done before. Then after sensing, you take that data, you take it somewhere to the computer, whether it's in the cloud or somewhere locally on your, on your phone, you process it but you have to process it really fast because human beings are good at processing really fast. So therefore, these computers, if you want to really use them in a good way, they have to process that data very fast. So that's where computer engineering advances uh, are going to come into picture. And then to do something after the processing, to control something, to change something, that's again a very traditional field of electrical and computer engineering, the control system. Right. So I say that advances in these three areas are transforming human experience on this earth, and we have great opportunities for our students. What do you think is the role of family, parents, and friends in motivating students to understand the value of electrical and computer engineering? My message would be that the name electrical and computer engineering is a very limiting name. I wish we had a better name for this profession because if you see, it captures so many different aspects of our life. Uh, you know, it, the pre previous electrical engineering, when you talk to people, they, they thought, well, you know, it has something to do with electricity coming into our houses. But that is just one very tiny aspect of the profession. There are other avenues that are really, really becoming even more dominant. So I would say to parents and to the counselors and to the students that just explore the world around you and try to find answers to see how these things is coming together, what kind of technologies are being put to make this happen. And you will see that this is what electrical and computer engineering is. And we have a slogan in our department. We have a slogan. We say, the future is what we do. Basically, what we are trying to convey with the slogan is that whatever we electrical engineers and computer engineers and cybersecurity engineers are doing today, that is going to define what the future is going to be tomorrow for our society. That's great. So moving on to the next question, uh, we know the department offers a number of scholarships and uh, assistantships to students. Could you elaborate on that and what is the process to apply for these funding opportunities? Yeah, so I think uh, we have quite a few opportunities for students uh, to get scholarships. First of all, let me start with undergrad students. So for undergrad students, we have uh, scholarships that are merit-based, that are need-based, and that also that are based on certain interest of our alumni, our donors who have donated those projects. So we have millions of dollars that we spent every year on, the, on these scholarships. And we are thankful to our donors and our alumni who have uh, gotten education from there and in thought that whatever they got from this particular department they really felt uh, that they owe back to the department, so they donated generously. And that has created so many different types of scholarships that I can tell you that the number of scholarships available at Iowa State University are significantly higher than any other comparable school in this nation. And I can tell you from my own experience, I have come to Iowa State after serving at four different other institutions. 
And I have experience of public and private universities and the number of uh, scholarships we have for undergraduate students, purely because of the philanthropy of our alumni and our donors, is uh, hardly is matchable by any other program in the nation. So we have plenty of opportunity. And then we have opportunity, for example, if a donor says that I want to make sure that the number of uh, female students are increased and I want to you know, fund the scholarships. So we have a lot of such scholarships where, that are oriented towards a particular cause, towards a particular you know, interest of a donor. So, so many different opportunities are available and they are available throughout the four years. We offer the scholarship at the admission time and then we also offer the scholarships as you move along in your program during sophomore year, during junior year and during senior year. We have plenty of different opportunities for you to get additional scholarships. On the graduate side, I would say, on the average, we are spending close to $16, $17 million of funding every year on our research. And majority of this research is being done with the graduate students' involvement. So you can say directly, uh, the $16 million of funding is directly impacting the number of students that are getting scholarships from our department in the form of research assistantship. In addition to that, we offer close to a million dollars of uh, teaching assistantship because we need to have those TAs to assist us in the classes. So that is an additional funding of uh, 40 to 50 students every semester, fully funded uh, graduate students. So plenty of opportunities available. That's great. So what kind of technology resources are available for our students, for example, say in the teaching labs? So we have tried to um, make sure that whatever we do in our teaching labs, it has uh, some aspects of uh, relevance to the industry. So we make sure, for example, in our electrical engineering labs, the kind of uh, instruments that we use, they are very similar to what is being used in the industry. So we have. Uh, a constant feedback mechanism from our external advisory board, which has membership from different uh, industry stakeholders uh, around us. They give us a feedback as to what kind of uh, tools, what kind of uh, instruments, what kind of platforms the industry is using. So therefore, we have a very similar uh, nature of the platforms when we teach our students, whether it's an oscilloscope, whether it's a probe, whether it's a any other component related to you know, analysis or related to uh, building a particular software system, we have tried to make sure that what we do uh, is reflected by the practice in the industry. And one example, I can give you one more example is, uh, for example, in cybersecurity engineering courses, we bring in scenarios and security threats uh, kind of uh, examples that are most current uh, uh, observed by, by the community, uh, by the security community. We bring those scenarios, we bring those examples, and we also have the latest operating systems, our latest uh, you know, network stacks put together to make sure that the students uh, do a hands-on kind of a analysis of those threats for these systems. So we are in a constant feedback mode of uh, going to the industry, telling them what we do, and then asking them how we can further improve. And that's a very critical part of our program. And it's also a requirement from our accreditation body, the ABET, that uh, asks us to not only show what we teach, but also show why we teach it 
how we measure it, and then how we improve it. And then this whole cycle need to be, you know, need to be implemented in a continuous manner. Could you tell why EBIT accreditation is so important for us or for our programs? Yeah, I think accreditations are always important because they are kind of uh, gives you the ability to how your program is related to the body of knowledge of the body of the profession are their expectations. So when you have an accreditation by a body like ABET, it accredits all the engineering and technology degree programs, undergraduate uh, programs. In that accreditation process, the accreditors are recruited from all over the place. They are industry practitioners. They are your peer professors from other institutions. So every five years they come and they have a comprehensive go-through of your programs, including curriculum, including lab technologies, including teaching methodologies, I mean, all sorts of things, the grading mechanisms, they, they go through each and everything, and then they accredit you. And by doing that accreditation, we get a confirmation whether we are at par, at pace with the expectations of the industry, with the expectations of the workplaces, and so on and so forth. So it's very important from that perspective that we do get an independent review of our programs by a completely uh, independent body that has nothing to do with the with the university or uh, uh, any other uh, stakeholders. So otherwise, it will be a conflict of interest. Right. So one last question. Where do you see the department going in the next five to 10 years? And are we aligned with the national trends in engineering to meet the 21st century challenges? Yes, I think that's a, once again a great question, um, Dr. Pandey. As I said earlier, these are very exciting times for the discipline. A lot of great things are happening in the discipline that are going to make our society a better place for everyone. So in the next five to 10 years, I, I'd see that we keep on edging as one of the top uh, educational programs in electrical and computer engineering. Currently, we are ranked uh, among the public schools electrical and computer engineering programs, we are ranked among the top 23. So I, I see myself edging further into the top tier, top 10 to 15 programs in the coming uh, five to 10 years. And uh, seeing our faculty doing cutting edge research in areas that would really matter. And I said, you know, sensing is one of the things that we are really investing heavily. We have more faculty, we have uh, all sorts of senses, including you, in the in the biosensors areas. So I think uh, on the other side, we have uh, security is a, is a major scenario happening because we are becoming more digital, more online society. So security is going to become an important uh, aspect of our life. And when I say security, I mean cybersecurity. And so we are heavily investing into that. And we are considered among the leaders in the nation in terms of engineering security, uh, cybersecurity education. And then energy, uh, we, are, we are well known in the, in the nation for our strength in our power systems and energy programs. And uh, I think we will keep on having that edge and keep on ourselves abreast uh, with the uh, ahead of the curve uh, compared to the rest of the uh, you know, program in the nation. And one final thing, uh, if you uh, recall, we have uh, been just awarded one of its kind project by National Science Foundation on um, next generation of wireless uh, communication, particularly for rural areas, because even now the wireless communication 
in rural area is not penetrating enough because of uh, multiple reasons. And I think one of those reasons is, of course, economics. So we have been awarded about $16 million by a National Science Foundation to set up a living lab. It's led by Dr. Hong Wei Zhang. And we are going to set up a living lab to experiment wireless broadband for rural areas, particularly areas like Iowa and other Midwest states where we have large swaths of lands. We have communities that are far and wide spread out, and they are very critical part of our national economy. We have uh, agriculture, we have animal farming, we have all other sorts of technologies that are coming out, out from with Midwest. But not having a good broadband access is going to be impediment for further progress. So we are glad that we are le leading the nation in that respect from Iowa State looking for solutions that will redefine wireless uh, for rural areas. So I think these are just examples of a few areas that we will be concentrating on. Do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for our current or potential students? I think I'm going to say it again that these are exciting times. And uh, being in this profession, being in electrical and computer engineering, I think uh, you will see it's a very rewarding profession. And... Um, uh, it's a very diverse profession. You can be an electrical engineer and you can be saving lives by designing and uh, developing uh, advanced healthcare systems. And you could be electrical engineers and you could be developing uh, battery technology to have uh, you know, electric vehicles that can go on for hundreds of miles without any recharge. And so there are so many different opportunities. And I would just say, explore your options. Come and join us. It will be exciting for us to have more diverse student body, including students from all sorts of uh, groups, whether it's uh, gender-based or whether it's uh, based on economic status. We, we would really like to have a diverse set of students, and uh, we will strive to make sure that our education programs are not biased towards any one particular group. We will have equal opportunity for everybody, whether who could afford this education or who could not afford this education. We have plenty of options, plenty of opportunities. Come and join us and make us proud. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today. We thank you definitely for your leadership efforts within the department and wish you all the very best for your future endeavors. Thank you. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you. Take care. Bye.